Okay, hi! <laughs> My name is Sarah Hanchar, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, a podcast where I talk to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And today, my guest is Greg Stackhouse. Hello, I'm Greg Stackhouse. Yay! <laughs> and uh, I, I appreciate that you think I'm a, ni- a nice person. You are a nice person, well, Greg Stackhouse. <laughs> I didn't always have that reputation, I don't think. Oh, I, uh, no, I don't. I've only known true. you for three years, so you yeah. could have been horrible. You, you know the new and improved, apparently. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't necessarily mean. I was unapproachable before. Oh, uh, were you kind of a crabby butt? I don't know. Because some Maybe. people can be like a crabby butt on the outside, but they're super squishy on the inside. No, and... I just, I don't think I, I was a person that wasn't, you know, outwardly bubbly. So I feel like, <laughs> he's, he scares me. <laughs> and I, so I had to change that a little bit. Okay. Uh, so people who know me now, who've met me in the last three years, think, oh, he's really nice. <laughs> I hope. Uh, that's the goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're nice. I mean, there's a lot of versions of nice. Um, there's a guy who comes into the shop at the chocolate shop where I work. When I first met him, he's very gruff. He wanted the coffee in a certain way, da 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 da. I'm like, are you mean or are you just sort of uh, like the crabby butt, sort of like yeah. I said? And he's just a gruff person, but then he comes in every week. He says, hello, young lady. Um, and he's really sweet and he always has correct change, which I appreciate. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. so I mean, there's variations of nice. If everyone had to be bubbly, well, then we would be talking about the time I spent working at Disney. Um, we're just kidding. <laughs> no one was bubbly there? <laughs> Lots of people uh, were paid to be and could be on mm-hmm. uh, on the clock. And many people were naturally in real life as well. And, and some people just know. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's another episode. Sure. Someday I do want to talk about uh, Disney at length. Mostly because I miss it, and I want to—I really want to go down memory road. Sure, sure. But here we are with you, Greg. Yes. You've been on podcasts before. Uh, two before this one. So you have twice the experience that I have because I've only recorded one other <laughs> pod. I've recorded one episode before this, mm-hmm. and now this is my second one. So look at you. Yeah, I'm Mr. Experience. Yeah, and that was with uh, Chris Allen's Seattle Files? I did that with Chris Allen's Seattle Files, and I also did one with Kelsey Todd way back in the day with his improv podcast. I forget the name. Sorry, Kelsey. That's okay. Um, I don't know Kelsey. Oh. Well, then maybe this won't even come up. (laughs) (laughs) Kelsey writes in. Uh, Well, today we're going to talk about, or rather our jumping off point, will be golf. Yes. Like, I haven't known you for very long, but Mm -hmm. I always... One of the first things I notice is that guy golfs a lot. So you like to golf. I love to golf. Why? Uh, okay. I didn't mean to make that sound no, like so um, accusatory. Okay. So golf to me is it's, it's, it's got a multitude of things that, that make it great. It's, uh, it's outside. Ooh, um, that's a good point. Yeah. It's outside. Usually it's, it's in a space that's been, um, carved out to like, you know, not have a lot of, uh, electronic things or, um, you know, a lot of adver- advertising things. So it kind of like is a way to shut the brain off, but also engage the brain. So it's a physical challenging sport, but also you kind of feel like you're in nature. There's some golf courses that are like up near Suncadia. You've heard of that area. I have it's not. It's just over the pass on I-90. And it's oh, this, near like Snoqualmie Falls, like um, up there? Way beyond that. Way like beyond it's that. the other okay. side of Snoqualmie Pass. And that those three courses uh, are like, it's like a hike that has golfing in it as well. Beautiful. 
and it's just scenic and you're out there and you're you're playing this ridiculously hard game um, <laughs> against no one but yourself, which is also great. So you don't have to feel bad about beating other people or worry about some competition element except for your own skill level. You're trying to do the best you can with every with every shot. And if you hit a bad shot, then you have to think about how you're going to recover from that bad shot and make the next shot. So it's a really it's a mentally challenging game, but also physically you have to execute golf shots. So I love that. That's that's a that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Some people uh go go golfing and with me or with other people and they think that they're and it's certainly you can compete in golf, as we all know. I was going to say, aren't there whole competitions yeah, that involve, like, are. I've seen Happy Gilmore, so I understand the competitive nature of golf. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, in pro golfers, like, there is, they are minute degrees better or worse than each other. I mean, and on any given day, anyone can have a bad uh... a bad day, but, but those guys are all pros and so much better than your average weekend golfer. Well, it's their job. Yeah. To be fair, that's like yeah. that's sort of what they do for uh, a living. So they should be pretty yeah. good at it. And and you don't you don't necessarily get to golf with people that are even near your skill level. So uh to compete with people, you have to handicap each other and things like that. So you would say What does that mean? No, not physically handicap each other, but there's golf actually has the word handicap in it. So what is your handicap? And that's That's how many you, strokes you get yeah. bonus or removed it's, it's or what, added? It's what's your relative to par. So on <laughs> On average, you're uh, saying a bunch of words, no, no. Greg. So, like, so basically, and you can't even establish an official handicap unless you play over ten rounds of golf. So it's not just like your one best game or your one worst game. To establish a handicap, you usually have to pay a, some type of club or a membership somewhere, and then officially log your scores every time you play golf. And then eventually, after ten or eleven rounds or something like that, I'm, I'm not sure how many it is, they'll say, "Great, Greg, your official golf handicap is." Uh, it's been anywhere as low as a 12 for me, which is not great. That means my score relative to par. What does that mean relative to par? Okay, par so, is how many, like, hole number seven right, so is usually a par four. Is that most, a thing? Most professional courses uh, are anywhere between a par 71 or a 72. That's total. That's total for the from, entire 18 holes, right? Okay. So in that, you have a mix of um, par threes, fours, and fives, and and very rarely par sixes. Um, and those are all based on the distance from the tee to the green. Tee to the green. Right. So uh, generally speaking, anything under 200 yards for an amateur golfer like me and you is a par three. Uh, <laughs> like me. <laughs> no, I mean, we'll talk about my golf stories no, in a moment. <laughs> but it's still it's still a par three. You don't, you don't get to change yeah. the scorecard, right? So, okay, yeah. Um, there are certainly, and like anything between like 200 yards and, I don't know, 430, 440 yards, again, for amateurs, mm -hmm. is a par four. Anything above that would be a par five. So uh, when you talk about pros, a 400, 475, even a, some 500-yard holes are still a par four because they just smack the crap out of the ball so hard. Um, so, That's the part that sounds and looks the most fun, is yeah. just wailing on it as hard as you can. Is, yeah, that, is that cathartic? It is. It is, actually. When you hit a really good drive with a with a driver... Uh, that's the big feels, one, right? It's, it's the like big one, yeah. It's also the hardest club to hit. So, oh, okay. Um, and this is where you know, kind of that that chess game of golf comes in is realizing that even though this hole is like way farther than I can hit the ball, maybe the best club to pull out of my bag right now is not the driver. Like understanding your own skill level and saying, ah. okay, yeah, I can hit a good drive, two hundred and seventy yards, if I if I absolutely crush it, 
that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't always go perfectly straight. You know, that's, and sometimes it does. Like there's sometimes where you, you hit a golf ball and it like, it flies like an eagle like through the air, <laughs> right down the middle of like the tree line of the fairway. And you're like, that is, is as good as any pro could hit it today. <laughs> you know, barring distance, of course. Um, but you know, sometimes not. So you have to step up to the hole and go, you know, I want to hit the driver because it sounds so good and it's so fun and I can, I can hit it so much further. But, but if I miss it right, it's going to cost me an entire stroke to put it back in play again. Oh. So I'm going to pull out a club that maybe will only go 200 yards. And I, but I know I hit this club straighter. So the chances are I'm going to be in the middle of the fairway. I'll maybe have a longer shot to get to the green on the next shot, but my chances are better of scoring low if I don't hit it as far as I can every single time. Is how do you and you figured all of this out? Have you had lessons, or is he is he a, you've just been doing it for so long that you kind of worked this stuff out? Are you a numbers guy because you're throwing out a lot of like numbers and tabulations and things? I mean, I'm not. So is that something you enjoy, like an aspect of the game that you enjoy? Is that calculation? I I do keep score every time. There's some people who don't keep score when they play golf because they just don't want to bother with score. And they don't they don't want to let let them get them down. But to me, the score is is like, that's your only measure of how much better you've been getting. Mm. So, and, and that's the goal is just like getting better, you know, getting better. And, and certainly I'm way worse at golf than I was three years ago. Like, absolutely. And that's a bummer um, for oh, whatever no. reason. Yeah. No, it's just physically your body can change. Mm-hmm. And uh, what? Yeah. And, yeah time? It's true. Time, time changes uh, us, our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, you're, you're, you maybe have a little more of a gut than you did last time or sometimes less of a gut and just... And just things change. And so I have a few chin hairs that grow out of this mole <laughs> on my chin. Oh. So that's like a pretty cool discovery that I'm I'm enjoying I, with age. I'm getting to the age now where I'm I'm like, oh yeah, there's ear hairs. Great. Oh rad. I actually yep. have a tool for that. But, um. uh, I had sorry to derail real quick. I no, had no. I had a nose hair for the first time, had a had a it was I was putting on makeup for a show and a nose hair and so I'm like, oh my God, I have to deal with this. So I plucked it. So I've plucked eyebrows, mustache, plucked various parts of myself. My God, did that hurt? Did you get tears in your I eyes? Cr- I wept immediately. And I'm, and I'm doing my makeup so that I'm extra mad because now I'm, I'm tear faced and mascara and things are happening. It was just one hair. Why does it hurt so much? I, I don't know. I, Doctors, I, let us know. Phone every in. every nose hair I get, I see when I'm in my car, like looking in the rearview mirror, and I'm like, oh, there's a nose hair. So I actually keep tweezers in my car. I do too. That's the place to keep them. Yeah, I do too because I get a pretty. Um, so I'm I'm blonde, which is nice because all my facial hair is re- really fair, but it's fair until the sun catches it in just the right light, and then it's my. There's just so much of it. So I also keep, um, I almost said pliers, um, tweezers in the car for my sweet mustache hair and my sweet, um, wicked witch, uh, moles on my, um, on my yeah. chin. I, uh, so, I'm now getting rad. a little more gray in my hair. So Ooh. gray nose hairs are the best because they actually look like boogers. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, there's a booger. You're like, no, it's a nose hair. And then you're like, well, I got to get that. And if you can't find your tweezers, I've actually, Physically grabbed gray nose hair with like two fingers and just like, you just like grab what you can. Sometimes you pull out two or three and sure you get a little tear, but you're like, it's done. You're a Spartan. I become, (laughs) only necessity is the mother of Spartanship. (laughs) Spartanship, is that a word? It sure is. Uh, Spartanism. Anything Uh, goes in this place. 
Yeah, so nose hairs. All right, sorry. So we're we're back on track to golf. Where were we? Time, uh, age. Oh, yeah, oh your age. game. So you said you're you're not as good as you were three years ago, no. but I imagine it's quite a time commitment, isn't it, to play golf? Like, don't you need like a full afternoon or yeah, like you, a... need to, you need to play regularly um, to keep up on your game for sure. And if you even quit for a while, shockingly, sometimes I will have not played for six months and then go shoot the best round I've ever had. That's happened before where. Like I don't expect to do well, and, and I think a lot of that too is is the expectation, right? Like it's yeah. it's way more of a mental game than a physical game. Like I play with some guys, and if my brother ever hears this, I apologize in advance. But um, <laughs> it's like you just you need to have you need to be cool about it. Like you can't you can't swing the golf club mad because you're just you're not going to have a level even swing. And it's just and my brother gets pretty fiery out there mm. temper wise. He's better than he used to be, but so. It's basically, and that's another great thing that I love about golf is that it really is, it kind of makes you understand you really can't control the whole game at once. You have to take it one shot at a time. Oh, and so it's kind of, for me, it's a little zen-like too. And like, I certainly, don't get me wrong, I get pissed off out there. Like, I'll hit a bad shot. And I'm like, damn it! Like, like, <laughs> like I didn't, that's not what I didn't, shouldn't have done that. Or mm-hmm. like, I, I poorly executed shot will make you just rage, but you have to let it go. It's like immediately, it's like, okay, you know what? You can probably fix that on the next shot. And sure enough, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Problem solving can be fun, but it's also frustrating because it's like, cool, I just made life really challenging for myself. Um, but that's mm-hmm. in any activity. Yeah. Um, you're not a fiery. Do you, oh, do you drive the cart or do you walk it? If if I have my way, I walk it. There, yeah. And that's, again, that's... <laughs> That's a funny story about golf. Uh, <laughs> oh, do tell. Go uh, ahead. Jump in. So my buddies and I, we, when we were younger, we were in our 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And we, my buddy Mitch and Gail and I would go on these golf trips every year. So we would get in a car and we'd go somewhere. We'd pick a destination and we'd go. And we discovered the American Southwest for golf, which is like desert golf is just so Ooh. amazing. It's so pretty. And I lived in Santa Fe for oh, five years. Have you been to Santa Fe? Were you ever out there? Nope, I have been through there, but not to there. Again, I need to go back because it's gorgeous. Know, I know. Oh Please yeah, continue. Um, yeah, but I was in I was in southern Utah in this area, Ooh. like St. George, and there's a little course called Hurricane near. Uh, not it's it's <laughs> Hurricane. It, Hurricane is the town where this course called Sky Mountain is, and I've been back there three times because it's amazing. It's interesting that a place that is deep in the desert <laughs> is called Hurricane. Yeah, Hurricane is the okay. name of the town. Cool. Anyhow, so my buddies and I are playing at this place, and I think it. It was called Green Spring Golf Course in St. George, Utah. And we get up there. We, we get our bags out of the car. We go to the pro shop. And we, we pay for our rounds of golf. And uh, and the guy's like, here's your car key. You're like, oh, no, we're going to walk. And the guy's like, uh, carts included. I'm like, nope, we're going to walk. He's like, okie doke. <laughs> After nine holes, we uh, walk back in the clubhouse. And the guy's like, you want those carts now? We're like, yes, sir. We do. Because it was long and hot. And, and it was just, there was no shade. And, uh, and it was just, there was a lot of distance between each hole. So you'd play one hole and then there was maybe a, a 200 yard walk to the next hole because it was postcard golf, yeah. you know, as opposed to links golf. Oh, wait, I don't know what postcard golf means. That, I might've made that word up. Um, what, what does that mean to you? Postcard golf to me is like, and this is what Suncadia is like, where every, like one hole is just surrounded by trees and mute beauty and you can't see the oh. other holes. Lynx golf is where you'll finish one hole, just like the, the tee box is right next to that hole, and oh, you okay. tee up on the next hole. This one's like you'll finish a hole, and then you've got this uphill journey. And at one point, <laughs> one point there was this 
huge crevasse in the middle of the earth that like you hit your it was a par three which is again about 170 yards maybe and if you were lucky you made it across this giant crater in the earth to the other side where the green was and if you weren't so lucky you you hit it down there and you you had to drop the ball to the other side there's no hitting your ball from down here and and we basically had to walk down into this crevasse and back up again and so we were but by the time we we're done with nine holes, we were just exhausted, and yeah. the clubhouse got a good laugh at that. Like, <laughs> you guys want those free carts now? You yeah. weren't the first people to do that, I'm no. sure. Well, uh, in professional golf, the, the golfers do not get to ride carts at all. They walk, but they have somebody. Yeah, they have carrying their bag. But right. still, that's part of the tradition of golf is that you you must walk the course. So with a caddy is fine, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, in that vein, we wanted to be like, no, we're going to, we're going to walk. We have to walk the course. I, even when I walk now, I don't carry my bag. I have a little cart on wheels that I push around. Oh, nice. Because, you know, bags are heavy. and They are. They're the oodles time, of clubs. Yeah. There's a lot of clubs in there and balls and water and <laughs> a, chamois, a, ban- a banana. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> chamois. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a good walk. So, um, on any given day, if you walk a golf course, you've, You'll end up walking about five miles. Holy crap! Said and done. Yeah, like I mean, I don't think I not, knew that. Not every, it's not like if you walk straight down the course. Well, you're meandering. Yeah, you're, through, you're meandering. For your shots and for sometimes your friends walking shots. backwards. You're out in the woods looking for a ball for a while. But by the time it's all said and done, you've you've done about five miles if you walk a course. Wow! According to my Fitbit, most of the time. Okay, well, I believe your Fitbit. No, yeah. the computers, they, well, they know us. Um, my I only have two experiences golfing. Both were not, I had a great time. It was terrible golfing. Um, once was in Canada in Banff, in Banff. Oh yeah. And I don't know why we went because my family, we're not golf people. We're not sport people. We're the indoorsy book theater nerd types of people. Um, and science brained people speaking for my father and for my brother. And anyway, so we went golfing. It's me, my brother, my dad, and I believe my brother's girlfriend at the time. We go to what I imagine is probably a very nice course. I don't know. All of Banff, Canada is gorgeous. Yeah, So we rent the cart. No, do we rent the cart? Probably because I really liked driving the cart. Um, And I was probably a teenager. So this is ages and ages ago when I was still in middle school. Anyway, we go... We are so slow and so terrible, probably six or so people have played through us, played through us, <laughs> and eventually, we're not even halfway done, the, the I don't know, the golf manager. Marshall, they called him a marshal. Okay, the marshal, he's yeah. like, um, would you guys like a refund and head out now? <laughs> because oh, really? we were so disruptive, apparently, with our shoddy, I mean, you say a par three, par 75 per <laughs> per hole uh, for the old handshard crew. Um yeah, it was it was not good. I had a great time because I had found these really great golf pants at a thrift store. They were um pa- they were pastel pink, blue and yellow plaid. I was I basically just wanted to drive the cart and wear the pants. Sure. It's um, fun. That was that was great. And then another time was a la Caddyshack where again I wanted to drive the cart. This is in central Pennsylvania in State College. And I think it was, again, just me and my dad and brother. And it started to thunder and rain and lightning. And um, luckily, no one wanted to keep playing. And we were all done. Again, probably like halfway through, we're like, never mind. (laughs) We give up. Well, we're just, it's, 
Yeah. When you're really bad at something and don't understand how to get better at it at that time, because none of us knew what we were doing. And none of, so we weren't improving as the game was progressing. We were just getting frustrated. And like I said, I just want to drive a golf cart. Sure. No, that's, that's a, that's a valid want. <laughs> um, so it'd be interesting to try it with somebody who knows what they're doing and could be helpful in the process. Yeah. I, I honestly never, I didn't take a lesson until I had established really bad habits. Um, I wasn't a bad oh, golfer. No. Well, no, that's okay. I mean, like, I don't think you need to take a lesson if you just go to the driving range a lot and practice your swing. And like, I was certainly a student of a golf swing. I, I would watch these slow motion golf videos and a lot of like uh, golf channel pro instruction videos and things like that. So um, I, I got a lot of tips and tricks that I still use today from watching the golf channel. Oh, sweet. Um, so I taught myself how to golf, but then eventually I was like, okay, I, I want to take a lesson to fix this one thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, so back when I first started playing golf, there was, it was, uh, I got, I'm going to go back in time now um, to when we all got into it. It was like a lot of people um, when Tiger Woods started playing the game of golf. You know who Tiger Woods is, I obviously. I do. He, I do. He was so amazing. Like, he was this young kid who came on the scene and immediately just dominated the sport in a way that, like, they hadn't seen in years. And it got a lot of young people into golf. Tiger Woods, I, I, I would love to know the stat of how many golf courses he's responsible for being built just because he started playing the game. Really? Yeah. He revived could, the uh, the atmosphere that brought, much? He brought young people into the game and basically made golf courses kind of a viable business model, at least back in the 90s. So in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of golf courses around in Seattle, and a lot of them were built around that time. Huh. A lot of them have since gone away, too. Yeah. Um, golf isn't as popular as it was 15 years ago. It's hard to make. I'm a big, I'm a big nerd. I'm like, well, that's going to be hard to maintain because of the land and because of this and because of that. So that would be a really challenging business model to uphold. It is. It's one of those things where it's like one of those selfish, guilty pleasures too, because at least, at least back in the day, golf courses were pretty ecologically not awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, they would use chemicals to treat the grass to make it all pretty and stuff. But lately there has been a movement and I'm not sure how many courses around here are into it, but like, you know, echo golf, like greenskeepers who are aware of, you know, what they're doing to the land and being really thoughtful about how they treat the course. And a lot of them are in the summertime, just let the grass go brown. That's what happens in the summertime. There you go. And so they're not overwatering. And, you know, we haven't had a drought this year, but mm-hmm. in times of a drought, I, you know, I have noticed golf courses being quite a bit browner and they're like, oh, part of the reason I like to be out here is because it's so lush and green. But but then also in the back of your mind, you think, no, this is what it should look like right now. Yeah, this is how Earth is at the moment. She's cool. (laughs) Uh, But what I like about it is that if golf courses in Seattle didn't exist where they exist, they would just be more housing. Like it would be, you know, there'd be something, there'd be a, a grocery store there. So what golf courses do accomplish in my mind is keep an open space there. Like mm-hmm. all the Seattle courses, there's, well, there used to be only three, but now there's at least four that are like, that are actual parks in the city, like Jackson Park, Jefferson Park, and West Seattle are, at least those three, are part of the parks department. So they're maintained by the parks department. I didn't know that. And yeah, they're, they're actually, they're parks in Seattle. So, um, you know, they're dedicated open spaces that I just, I love that the fact that nothing is going to replace the golf course in West Seattle. They're not going to take that away, at least not in the, in the short term. And build yeah. a bunch of new homes and Trader Joe's and all that stuff. It's going to be trees and grass and like little water features and things for a long time. And I think that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah. I I never understood uh, 
growing up in Pennsylvania, I grew up in um, farm farm country, central Where'd PA. You go Pennsylvania? A little town called Belfont, just outside uh-huh. of State College, the center of Center County. Um, it's beautiful. I often call myself a hobbit because there are beautiful rolling hills and farmland as far as the eye can see. Um, the, the chick I mentioned, uh, my brother's uh, girlfriend way back when in high school, uh, she was a dairy farmer. So like, uh, super, super rural. And I remember my dad got so mad when a new development went in, in Zion, which was the neighborhood where I lived. And I'm like, well, dad, people have to have a place to live. And like, everyone deserves to have a home. And now that I'm older, I'm like, I, I totally get it, dad. Get your, get your, get your, uh, uh, your, you know, your duplexes and your, your ranch style homes out of here. But my sentiment remains the same. Everyone deserves to have a home and a place to live. Um, but yes, it is nice that something will be preserved and not turned into a strip mall. Yeah. Gosh, I hate looking at strip malls. <laughs> that, that happened to the place where I learned how to golf. It was this little, uh, this little, it was a driving range and it had a par three behind it. You know what that means? A driving range? I know so what a driving range is. A driving is, range yeah. is like, yeah, driving range. And then, but this course also had a little, a little nine hole par three golf course. So every hole was just par three. There was, it was, there was no driver holes. It was, you know, maybe 100, 110 yards. And then like the next hole was 120 yards. The next hole was 150 yards. But like, I think the longest hole in this golf course was 150 yards. And it was, it was the place where after work, you know, this again, back when Tiger Woods was just starting, I would get home from work and my buddy like, you want to go hit the Christie's? It was this place called Christie's Driving Range. And uh-huh. there was a par three and it was in Federal Way. And uh, Mr. Christie taught lessons and he made golf clubs. Like, um, Oh, he made them? He made them, yeah. Cool. And, and so my first set of golf clubs I ever paid cash for uh, was from this Mr. Christie guy. And so one day I was out at his driving range and I was hitting the golf ball as, as you would. And I'm not sure. very – I'm really bad at that point. And he walks behind me and he stops – and comes back and he goes, and he's got this like, this weird voice, like he's kind of like, he's, his voice is kind of, uh, like it's kind of, kind of hoarse. And he goes, he goes, swing that club again. And I was like, okay. And I swung the club again, hit the ball. And he's like, that's just awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so self-conscious. But, oh. but then like, he just dropped what he's doing. He adjusted my grip and then kind of showed me how to hit it and then walked away. I never took a lesson from him. Uh-huh. But he just gave me that one little correction thing. I'll never forget, like, the, that was awful. And, <laughs> and he, he ran that place for many years and it's, it's right where my, my parents live, pretty near there. And then he passed away and his family, um, you know, they probably had other jobs of their own. Sure. So they sold the land to developers and now it's one yeah. of these, like, you know, McCormick, I think it's called like Christie's Landing actually, which is oh. a nice homage to his name, but, yeah. but it's still not a, golf course anymore it's it's green, like you know three hundred thousand dollar homes right next to each other you know in a yeah. cult in cul-de-sacs and that's what christie's golf course is now so it's kind of sad because we, we talk about my buddies and i talk about christie's and and how great it would be if that par three was still there like oh man we could go play that right now if that was still there <laughs> and yeah a but buddy of mine who doesn't who didn't play golf back then but now does he he's like oh i'd love it if that was still there because it's right next to my house so well, it's nice you have, you still have, what is his name, Mr. Christie? Yeah. You still have Mr. Christie's helpful tips. <laughs> I don't think he gave me any real help. Because <clears throat> I wasn't really at that point, you know, I was just, Even was just knocking able the ball to be around. Helped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there is, isn't that funny how sometimes <laughs> before you even get started, you're like, wow, I didn't realize how far off I was from even being helpable. Um, 
And a similar story, although I was not directed in a helpful way, uh, in college, so I took dance classes, and dancing has always been really hard for me. Not from lack of trying, uh, just from lack of execution. So we do across-the-floor exercises where uh, the dance teacher set up a pattern and dance, dance, dance across the floor. You go in pairs or singles or whatever. And I'm trying to do whatever I thought I was doing correctly, and my the choreographer, dance teacher... She said, Sarah, what are you doing? And then that was it. I'm like, well, you could tell me how to be better. <laughs> so. Doesn't that just make you feel so confident when someone. Uh, does it? <laughs> I must admit, actually, I'm really glad it happened because I, ah, uh, it, sometimes that's all you can say is, what are you doing? Oh, heavens to Betsy. Oh, uh, but then, but then on the flip side at rehearsal, she started crying because she always struggled with, singing and she was trying to tell us how important it is to dance make sure you you learn how to dance because i never learned how to sing and then she really started crying and whereas i feel more confident singing and i'm like see Gigi, we're we're all just not good at everything <laughs> it's important to keep trying right oh man any hoozle so what are you doing that's just awful yeah. that's just terrible what do you say that's awful that's, <laughs> that's just that's just awful <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at your your memory no, pain. No, no, it's it's actually a great memory because I mean it, it's a story, you know that it, it's we all laugh about it still, and I think maybe if anything it did inspire me to like you know not necessarily take lessons at that point because I, I didn't have a lot of money growing up and then when I was in my twenties I you know didn't have money like lessons were sort of some extravagant thing I couldn't even imagine doing. So, yeah, you know if I if I could go back in time I would would have definitely join the high school golf team and who knows you know I wouldn't be a pro or anything like that is. That's that's a specially reserved place for people who start playing golf when they're three or just have a natural knack for the game yeah. that I certainly don't possess. Um, like I said, I, I get by. Like, I, I am as good or better than most people I get to play golf with. Oh, that's good. At my, my skill level. Not always, but, you know, there are people. So you don't, like, shred them and make them feel bad, no. but you also aren't, like me, 500 uh, holes back. Where are you? Well, what are you doing? That's the thing too. Is like and thing that my people, like my brother and my other friends, who get mad at the game, they think there's something to be embarrassed about if they're not good. Like especially <laughs> if you were like, oh, I'm sorry, like poor again. Eric. You know, my, my my buddy Eric was was super competitive at things like soccer, and like he was he was an athlete all of his life, and so here's this game golf that he just can't wrap his brain around. Where if you're not good at this thing. He would, his, his natural instinct is to try harder. And I would always say to him when he tried harder, I'm like, Eric, try softer. And that's oh. what I love about golf is like, don't try to swing the club harder. It's like, honest to God, you're not going to hit the ball as far if you're overswinging. Oh, um, try softer. Try softer. Yeah. That's, just like relax. That's also just nice life advice. Yeah, no. And, and it's and that's what makes the game – that's what kind of made the game more relaxing to me than frustrating was just was just like just go out there to the best you can swing your club and like, you know, no, you know, it's such, there's, there's such finesse to certain shots that when you pull them off, like when you, when you like you're 50 yards off the green, which is a hard distance for me, especially. Um, See, I guess I also am having a hard time. I don't know what 50 yards looks like in my head. It's, it's half a football field. Hey, yeah, so, thank you. Yeah. I was in marching band, so I understand football <laughs> yeah. field. So, you know, a football <laughs> field, like, like they have to travel the entire distance of a football field. To, to score any points, but in golf, that distance of a football field is is like your shortest club. It's like a pitching wedge to hit the ball 100 yards for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
and maybe even, I'm saying, yeah. mm-hmm, but I so, don't really know. So like, but the pitching wedge, at least in my golf bag, is where the loft of the clubs kind of stop. I've got I've got no clubs shorter than a pitching wedge. So when I'm 50 yards, I still have to hit the same club that I hit from 100 yards and just hit it a little softer. So when you when you pull uh, that off and it like gets right up next to the flag, you're like, that is as good mm-hmm. as any pro could do at that shot, and it makes you feel really great. Like like I. I always say this about golf, and uh, if if I were to ever compete with any other professional athlete, like if I were to play one on one with, you know, a modern day basketball player, the end score would be whatever we were going to, to zero. Like they would they would beat <laughs> me so badly. Like if I play like a, a game of one on one with with LeBron James, and we were going to twenty one, mm-hmm. the end result would be twenty one to nothing, and it wouldn't take him that long. Yeah. Um, but if I stood at the top of like a a 360-yard par four with, like, a professional golfer, in theory, on that hole, I could beat him. In, in theory. I mean, like, and it's it's a good chance we would we would push the hole and tie, or they might hit a bad shot, or I just, I hit every, all three shots perfectly and get a birdie. I beat that pro on that hole, and I know that could happen. That's pretty neat. Now, over the course of those 18 holes, they would destroy me because we get to you know, long par five and they would t- so only it's take a of two strokes to get there. And I would take three and, and they're also just way better in general. So <laughs> they don't have the, the 10 or 15 terrible shots every round that I have. Um, <laughs> they hit like, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a 59 in golf is kind of an unheard of score, but it, it happens. 59. Is that high uh, or low? It's really low. That's really and low. You want to shoot low. So uh, it's kind of, it's one of those uh, 59 is a score you would get or 58, I guess. If you shot a birdie on every single hole, well, I, what I'm what I'm hearing is that we need to get you a professional golfer to golf with. So, listeners, if you're a professional golf person or know how to get in touch with one, uh, let me know immediately. Well, you know, you and I both know someone who's better at golf than I am, and who's that, that is Mr. Jeff Grayson at our theater. Really? He is, he's a great golfer. I, I mean, didn't know even, he wears a lot of polo shirts. Yeah, but even Jeff, like you know, will have a really bad hole. So, like, if, if Jeff and I played golf ten times, mm-hmm. chances are Jeff would. And again, I'm not competing with Jeff; I'm competing with myself. But he would score lower than me all ten times, most likely, because he's just better. Um, but there are holes where if we if we played a match game, mm-hmm. uh, we both love match game. Oh, I love match game. <laughs> I think match game. <laughs> Although I don't like the reboot of match game. Oh, I've not seen it. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a TV yeah. like cable. I mean, um, it is, it's, they're, they're trying to recapture that magic, but it's not Brett Summers and Charles Nelson. Gosh, it needs to be Richard the seventies. Yeah. Everyone needs to be wasted. Yeah. Everything. I think they achieve the wasted part sometimes. Oh, really? Maybe. But is it like the charming wasted? I've only watched a couple episodes, honestly, because again, it wasn't my thing. I was like, oh my God, they redid match game. Alec Baldwin's the host. The thing they do have, where <laughs> we really digressed here, is the, he holds the long the, skinny yes! mic. <laughs> It has to be the long skinny microphone. <laughs> they they brought that back. The long skinny microphone. You mic. have to. Yeah. Uh uh no oh gosh. You should come back on. We should talk about the match game. Oh my god. Yeah, I could love the match game. So good. The tinted glasses, oh, the yeah. yellow glasses everyone had. The what's funny is I didn't get into that show until I had the game show network in, in Orlando. I was preparing for something and I had a ton of props to build. And so I just watched probably 500 match games in a row and it broke my brain a little bit in a good way because that show's amazing um it is amazing gosh anyway so jeff (laughs) most of the time but yeah it's it's a a game where on any given day i could beat a pro on a hole 
So uh, pro on a hole. Yeah, pro. On a, I could be that's, the pro golfer on a hole of golf. <laughs> that's fun to think about. Yeah, a fun thought experiment. No, it's like it's it's not again. It's not even about beating the pro. It's about just hitting as good as shots as they hit mm-hmm. three or four times in a row. Like there was there's been a couple times playing golf where I was just doing amazing for like. A, an hour, <laughs> like a whole entire hour, I was, every shot I hit was great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at some point in the game, this is why I'm not a pro, uh, I, A, I don't hit the ball nearly far enough to be a pro. And B, um, I'm going to fall apart at some point. <laughs> 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 That's how I feel when I'm playing Mario Kart. I'm like, I am doing great. And then, um, and then I do really poorly. But I'm very, I'm terrible at video games. So anytime I show even a modicum of, uh, inept, or what's the opposite of ineptitude? Neptitude? Uh, good, uh, good editing? Uh, yeah. Aptitude? Aptitude. Yeah. Aptitude. Anytime I have a moment of, uh, aptitude, I'm like, I'm doing great. Oh, I ruined everything. <laughs> Cause I yeah. put, I put a name on it. So you said you didn't get into golf. Um, I just, for whatever reason, Golf seems like one of those things like, I I did it with my parents or my family. So you didn't get into it until you were already in your 20s. Yep, my dad didn't play golf. Um, so, yeah, so I, I learned to play golf. Um, the first time I ever played golf was my, my cousin played golf. And so we went golfing one time, and I was just awful. I borrowed someone else's clubs and then, you know, didn't have a lot of fun, didn't play the game again. And then fast forward maybe four years, Tiger Woods happens. and. Yeah. Uh, Everyone starts playing golf because it's just suddenly like this this thing that looks like... The sexy, cool you know, guy. This, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, oh my God, I want to be a part of this. And uh, and then this might be something you know about me or don't know about me, but uh, in the summertime, when, back when I was doing more theater than I do now, mm-hmm. um, I would you know do as much theater as I could in the wintertime. And I worked at Starbucks and things like that. And then in the summertime, I would, I would wash windows uh, as a profession with this buddy of mine who owned a company washing windows. And so we... And we were... We worked hard, but then we would also have these days where we'd, you know, we'd meet somewhere at like 7.30 in the morning. We'd go like, you know, wash the windows on someone's, someone's house, like your house, or mm-hmm. it might be a new construction home. And then we'd get to the truck and we'd all close the doors and, and the boss would say like, you guys want to play some golf? <laughs> and, and so we, and crazy. so we like in the middle of the day, we would like, we would, we knew that that could happen. So we'd have our golf clubs in the car. And then we would like, you know, go play golf for four hours and then work until dark. Cause, you know, it wasn't like we had a schedule that we really had to adhere to. We're just doing these new construction homes. So yeah. I played a lot of golf back then. Like, I'm and sure. There's no better practice than just getting out there and playing. So that's where you get the, the reps in yeah. and where you so, get the consistency. Yeah. So I was, I was lucky in that regard that I got to play a lot of golf. Go, let's go back to the window washing thing for uh-huh. a minute, which I'm, this is another reason why I'm really excited about this podcast because I get to sit and talk to people who I don't, you know, because we work together and we see each other for gigs and shows and parties. But tell me about being a window washer real quick. Like, did you go up high? No, no. Oh, okay. No. I was... Uh, Were you on a ladder? So Yeah, sometimes. Um, my buddy, uh, who actually has, has since then bought the company oh. from the guy who actually owned it. He was also a buddy. I called, I called Jeff a buddy. The company is called Jeff's Windows, and look them up if you want your windows washed. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Jeff would always want to play golf, and and we always accommodated him. So, so yeah, it was a job I mainly had in the summertime, and I was kind of the the indoor. Well, washing the windows in yeah. Seattle in the winter would yeah. be pointless. They they do they have some regular customers really? that like have their windows washed every six months, and but the winter definitely dies down, and yeah, and they didn't need me in the winter time. So it was more like in the summertime they would get so busy that literally. Um, 
they could have as many guys working as they wanted to, and they, he could fill his schedule up. And cool. it's kind of that way now, too, with my buddy who's bought the business. He's working seven days a week. <gasps> he wants to. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's actually funny. He's coming to my house on Saturday morning to wash my windows. I'm going to pay him. And, and I said, hey, can I – you mind if I, like, do a few of my own internal windows? He's like, God, that would be great if you did because <laughs> I'd give you some money back on your on your windows. So it's, it's something – it's a very rewarding job washing windows because there's a, a window that's oh yeah God I love a squeege I, I love am, the squeege I'm not as good as as they are at it but like 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 golf washing a perfect window is pretty is pretty awesome it's like man my squeegee did not leave the glass from the time I I move I started up on the upper like or you can like there's different patterns you can come from the bottom and go up to the top and then like if a perfect squeegee job is just like dab the corners of the windows because you got mm-hmm. it all already but you know, also wow. it can be really sloppy and like there's these huge streaks or you finish and yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where there was some pride in that too. Like, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it's also a very fun job because the results of your work are instantaneous. I love a job. Yeah. Um, it's like vacuuming. Yeah. I love a job where you're like, boom, I see the thing that I did and mm-hmm. the result that has immediately happened. Isn't that satisfying? And God, the customers loved you. Like. Like you would get done and they would just be like, oh my God, like it's so beautiful. Like these windows are so clean. Uh, <laughs> it's true. And my windows in my house right now are so filthy. I like, won't tell Jeff. No. What's your friend's name? Not Jeff. Jeff. Uh, Gail owns the company. Now. I won't tell Gail. Well, Gail's coming over on Saturday. Oh, he's coming over on Saturday. Yeah, he, Never knows mind. he knows they're dirty. He's going right. to wash them. All right. Sweet. Yeah. And like, you know, <laughs> he's got a 30 foot ladder in his truck that he has to, you know, get some of my windows with. So, um. To get really nerdy about washing windows, there's a couple yeah. ways you can like, you know, one would think you'd have to get up on some kind of like, like, you know, obviously office, office buildings are way different than mm-hmm. someone's home. But you can like, if you've got a window that you can't reach from the outside, you don't necessarily need a ladder. You can just literally pop, pop the window out of the entire frame, take the screen out and just kind of like sit up on the ledge of your windowsill and lean out and wash your window <laughs> that way. <laughs> Uh, Which I should have done a long time ago to my windows, but back to the lazy thing that I am. That ver- the vertigo. See, I couldn't lean out of a window. That scared. It Too was scared. hard for the first few times I had to do it, and scared. Then, yeah, I got used to it. Mm-mm. That's good. I'm always impressed uh, by people who are uh, respectful of gravity and being at a and being at a tall height. But who are like not paralyzed by fear, like I am, when it comes to that sort of thing. We've probably been on a window washing tangent for too long. That <laughs> if in the summertime he wants to, he wants a little helper, you know, and he's got like some Saturday morning jobs he wants to. He's like for a few. I'm like, take me along, man. Pay me my old rate. I'll just wash oh windows and my God. ride the truck with you because I I actually do like doing the job. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Um, well, Tuesdays at the chocolate shop, we washed the windows. Although we had professional washers today who dropped out of nowhere and scared the bejesus out of me mm. because dunk, like the ropes are. Oh, they yeah. were, they were coming down. They were, they were coming down the, on a chair or a scaffold, a chair. Yeah. Yep. And then it's really fun. Cause then he was like on the ground, just sort of like a little kid swing. It was only about three inches off the ground, but he's still on the little harness swing yeah. dealy. Apparently those things are very safe. There was a period of time where Gail did that for a while, um, like you know, off the skyscrapers, and it, it did not pay nearly enough for. Um, and those things one are, million dollars per window, and I'll consider it. Those things are very safe. Um, they're they're roped in, 
Anyway, we talked about window washing for <laughs> quite right. a while. Okay. That was that was called getting off on a tangent. I love tangents. Okay. Ooh, tell me about the cooler places you've golfed. I'm referring to a note card that I wrote. Oh, so you did the one in the Southwest in uh, mm-hmm. Utah. Yep. You went to Iceland, right? I did. I played golf in Iceland. Wasn't there a beautiful rainbow? Yeah. You've seen the picture. I've seen the picture. It's the favorite picture uh, that I've that I've ever been in of mine. We've golfed at this. I, I'm not going to say the name. I forget what it's even called now. But there's so I, many consonants. I had seen pictures of this golf course uh, online before we went to Iceland, and that was God, almost two years ago exactly. We went to Iceland. Um, anyway, so I, I looked at pictures, and it it's, it was looked amazing. So Tony and I, Tony Beeman, hi Tony, got up and uh, <laughs> and went golfing. I think we got up at like four in the morning because it was you know it was Ooh. July in Iceland, so it was literally daylight. We I forget what time we teed off, but we were the first people to tee off that morning. And then we probably finished in two hours, just nine holes, and then had a complete full day after that. So Wow. And that wasn't okay. I mean, the the course itself was okay. It was obviously it was in Iceland, so like there was this special amazement about it. Like, I'm golfing in Iceland right now. Tee hee hee. Like you It know. looked extraterrestrial yeah. in like some places. It yeah. looks nothing like any place that I've seen it with my own eyeballs. Yeah. Um well, I, one of the did you go to Scotland? I golf did. In Scotland. I played a round of golf in Scotland. I think is that where golf was born? Yes, Scotland. Golf was born, at least as far as I have been told. The first one of the first golf courses is St Andrews, and uh, mm. I went there. Oh, I, I didn't that's play. Cool. I didn't play golf there. I just walked the course because uh. apparently, if you want to play at St Andrews, you have to, your trip has to be about that, uh. um, or you can show up in the morning with your clubs and say, "Put me on the list," and. <laughs> And you'll probably get on, but you have to spend maybe the whole day doing it because that's kind of like Mecca for a lot of people. I'm sure um, it would like be. If you play golf, and it's like one of those bucket list things. So I still have a little remorse. I just didn't bring my clubs or just like show up and, and say, put me on a list and I'll rent clubs you have here. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted to just, I didn't want to spend the whole day there. It's still it, there. I was in Scotland, yeah. You can go back. I could go back. You can. They won't. You didn't and do anything to get yourself kicked out, right? I mean, and, and besides like... Besides playing the, the course because of the, the nostalgia of maybe like, you know, or the, the special, you know, uh, the gravitas or whatever. Yeah, whatever, you, whatever word you want to call it of like playing St. Andrews. The course itself was kind of, it's a Lynx course, uh, which means it's not like it's, you can see the whole course from, from one hole, which mm-hmm. is really flat and, and not terribly interesting except for the really deep bunkers. Um, which would be really hard to play out Do of Do people anyways. fight you as you come around? I don't know what you mean by bunker. <laughs> oh, a bunker is a, a sand trap. Ooh. Is a, bunker's another name for a sand trap. So, oh, okay. And theirs are notoriously like, like you could be standing in a bunker at St. Andrews and, and your ball is at your feet and the wall you have to hit over is four and a half, five feet high. So you have to elevate the ball from the ground in sand straight up in the air. It's a really complicated shot that most people can't can't do, including myself. I would be... Whacking Hard the bat. pressed, yeah. In its bad form to take the ball in your hand and throw it, right? Yeah. I'd Don't probably, do that. I'd probably, my strategy would probably be just to turn around and hit it out the flat side of the bunker and then just take just that stroke. Noodle, noodle your way around. I mean, I, I'd certainly want to try it. <laughs> like I'd well, probably, you're there. I'd probably sure. burn a stroke just trying to get it out of there, <laughs> but uh, it wouldn't be easy. <laughs> I've been stuck in deep bunkers before and it's, that's where you can actually get some rage. <laughs> you like hit one shot, then two shots, then three shots, then oh, four, no. and you haven't moved your ball out of the bunker yet. It's maybe like five inches. And this is where I see most golfers who who rage is when it happens in there. But but there's a trick to doing to hitting out of sand that how's that? You have to practice. Um, <laughs> 
What? Or, or actually, but it's a different shot. So when you're hitting a golf ball off of the grass, you're actually like hitting, you know, you're basically hitting the ground underneath the golf ball. Like you're hitting, you're hitting the golf ball, but like you're not, you don't really think of hitting the golf ball so much as like hitting, sweeping through the ball. Uh, when you're hitting oh, out of a bunker, you have to hit, you have to hit a little more behind the ball and you're using the sand to push the ball out of the bunker, not the club itself, if that makes any sense. So it's, are you whacking the sand on purpose behind the ball? Yeah. Oh. And you're also, you need to take a full, full heart, hearty swing at it. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people think like, well, no, the flag is right there. So I need to just like, I need to hit the same way I'd hit it if I were on the grass, which is to barely hit it at all. And I'm like, no, hit it harder, harder than that <laughs> and hit behind the ball. And so you're yelling lessons at people on the golf course. And, and uh, Do they love that? Probably. Um, well, that's the thing is I've, I've got friends I golf with who see me do it oh. and they get, they get frustrated because I, I make it look pretty easy because I, because I practiced it. Like I spent practice two hours, two hours at a golf course one time, just in their practice sand bunker, just going like, I am going to learn how to do this because I was that guy and I'm not going to be that guy again who was getting all worked up about a shot in a bunker. So I practiced it and they're like, oh, now I get it. And I actually read one of the best tips about that was is to imagine your golf ball. This is so stupid. Imagine your golf ball is a weed in your garden and your golf club is the shovel you would use to get the weed out. Uh-huh. That is the angle you want to come in at. So below the golf. roots. Yeah. So you're basically like you're going, you're going, weed. you're getting the ball out from the roots. So like the ball's here, uh-huh. roots here, you're going in like this. And when I read that, I was like, it was like, you know, the, the clouds parted. And the angels went, oh, right. And and, like, and so I went and I practiced that. And lo and behold, amazing. Well, uh, those, those watershed moments, have you ever purchased any of the, I've seen so many of those wacky, like, improve your stroke by this club that, do you, <laughs> Greg is holding his head in shame a little bit. Did yeah, you? I, I bought some stuff. Yeah. Um. What do they work? I mean, some of them might, right? Yeah, I mean, I haven't bought any like training stuff necessarily. Um, okay, I have swung those like those clubs that like break apart. Yeah. yeah, that one looked fun just yeah. for a lot of different reasons. For just me messing around with a club. I yeah, that looked. I didn't fun. buy one, but I swung one. And there's also like training sticks and things like that. I haven't bought any of those, but um, training stick. Like yeah, there's just like sticks you use. Like they're heavy. And it's kind of like a kind of like a batting uh, donut you see baseball players use. Oh yeah. yeah, no, but I don't know what the batting donut does. Yeah. Greg, I know nothing about sports, so any reference that you make to any sports will almost be met with, uh, uh-uh, I don't know. Yeah. So what is okay? So it's, but I've mine, seen the donut thing because I think maybe in League of Their Own. Yeah. Or the Sandlot, maybe they work. A friend oh. of mine and I took lessons though uh, that were that were video lessons. So there was a camera behind you, and then. You would, you know, swing the swing at the golf ball, and then uh, you could dr- the guy would come over and draw these lines where you want to keep you want to keep your club uh. in this particular plane. And actually, taking those lessons made me realize how good I already was swinging the club. I was it was kind of like a proud moment. Like, oh my god, I'm already I'm already doing this thing that you're that you're hoping I'm doing. So um, <laughs> it was great. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm already okay. Yeah. Still terrible. Still, but okay. But hey, it's a uh... Uh, in I've talked to you about this before, uh, was, was singing, I mean, doing anything, you have to practice a butt ton and it ain't going to be pretty at first no. at all. 
but listening to yourself and watching yourself is so important. And in, in my case, I was not really pleased with what I heard. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, I have a lot of work to do. There's what my voice teacher did. There's what I did. And there's not, it's not the same thing. Not at all. I On that, <laughs> I was at a show years ago. I, I did a summer in Estes Park, Colorado, doing a, a dinner theater show. And it was a campy, silly show where we sang and danced. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like this, tr this journey through time. You know, you've, you've, okay, it was yeah, kind of yeah. like a Disney show. Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, but imagine that, but worse. We weren't as good as the Disney performers. <laughs> uh, I must admit, we're, pr we're no, pretty good. Disney, Disney shows are good. freaking amazing. Like they're retired Broadway people. Yeah, go no, there. Those, those are great. Yeah. Anyway, so it was, we weren't bad. I mean, we're certainly, anyway, the point of the story is I spent the whole summer there mm -hmm. doing this show with, we rehearsed it in the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, Ooh, and did the show. I know. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. It was really, yeah. <laughs> I was in great shape by the end of that summer. But, um, anyway, so my parents came out to see the show and visit, uh, towards the end of the summer. And my buddy, again, Mitch, who I've already mentioned earlier in this podcast, uh, he was in the show as well. And his dad came out and brought this video camera and taped our show. And so we were watching it that night that they taped it. And I realized, you know, after spending the entire summer there, how ridiculous I looked in this one dance number. Like I was technically doing it differently than the rest of the people. Oh no. I, I didn't know until I saw it on, on camera, like yeah. three months into the show. And I was like, I'm like, is that what I've looked like the entire time? Somebody tell me. No, right. I mean, but, but nobody could have, unless an audience member came up and said like, Oh, by the way, that one uh, dance number, that guy right there. Uh, Do you know who would have told you that? My dance teacher from yeah. college. Greg, what are you doing? Yeah, no. Well, the, the, one of those shows where the choreographer comes out for a weekend and teaches you all the all the dance numbers, and then and they're then, gone. And then they're gone. So it was a production company that did this thing, and and then we were just on our own for the rest of the summer. Sounds really great. fun, though. Oh, it was amazing. It I was... mean, if you were a charactery, eh, whatever, lean into it, own it. Yeah, just own. Oh, oh that's uh, I was your friend who gets frustrated and gets embarrassed. All he has to do is hang around <coughs> me doing anything and he will learn to not feel embarrassed because it's just when you kind of are not super great at most things, you just have to have that roll with the punches sort of attitude and not get real stressed out or <laughs> upset at your own, and I'm going to use it correctly, ineptitude. Um, yeah, just to find that, that moment of chill within yourself that, hey, how important is it really that this ball gets to that point? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know? golf, you know, on any given day can cost between, you know, $40 to I've spent, I've spent upwards of $275 to play Ooh. one round of golf. And that was, you know, going back to your question, places I've played. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're not going to enjoy yourself the entire time you're out there, why even do it? You know, if, if it's going to be a sport that makes you that angry where you throw a golf club or, or scream, you know, like, like <laughs> throwing a golf club is again, if you don't have an emotion attached to it, that also sounds kind of fun. Yeah. See how I, I saw yes, a don't professional golfer one time throw his putter into the lake uh, and he had to putt with his, with a, another club what? for the rest of the round. Yeah. I don't know how many holes he had left. Um, anyway, so, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. No, you, if you're a professional <laughs> golfer, you cannot, there's rules about how many clubs you can have in your bag. Oh. And, uh, and like, you know, you can't change clubs in the middle of a round. So, um, he had to play the rest of his round with, I think, putting with some other club. Huh. 
because he got so mad he threw his oh, club and I'm like no. like I'm sorry but in that moment pro golfer you looked like a freaking amateur <laughs> like hey, control your emotions he, he was having a day I know he was having a day it's okay to have a day yeah do other people get to call dibs on that club or I mean like- if they fished out of the lake sure I'm sure someone dove in there later. <laughs> or maybe his caddy even went in there later and got it. But Oh, no. Um, I don't know. Poor caddy. I don't know the end of that story. Other than you saw it. My my brother found a putter in a, in the lake one time and fished it out and used it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Hmm. My favorite uh, childhood toy growing up was Putter the Popple. I just, that just connected in my brain real quick. Hmm. Do you remember Popples? Nope. They were early 80s. They, um... They're cute. You, you could turn them inside out. Oh, this is so ringing a bell now. They could turn into a, like a little ball. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Never and had then, them, but I think I remember the commercials. Yeah, putter. I uh, In college, when Napster was a thing, and no one was labeling anything correctly on the internet, you know, music sharing, mm-hmm. and I found a French version of the Popples theme song, and I just felt very proud of myself. That's neither here nor there. I just really like the Popples. Le poids, poids. That's... How it went. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Nobody does. That's funny. It's, well, I mean, some people, um, um, 80s babies like me probably had some popples. They had rock and roll ones. They had, it was great. Anyway, so popples. Okay, so putter and then he fished it out of the lake. And oh, any other places where you, that were pretty? Uh, yeah, I actually got to go to the Masters one year. Um, that means like nothing to you. The uh, Masters? Because aren't there like 70 of them? Like different tournaments that are like, yeah, or is well, Masters like the? Okay, so the, uh, in in golf, there are, in professional golf, the, the tournament goes like for a year, basically. Like the entire golf season is like a year. And there's, and there's oh four major tournaments. They call them majors. And they have a, a fifth major, which takes place. Well, they call it the, the fifth major, even though it's not an official major tournament. So there's the... U.S. Open. Okay. There's the British Open, which is about to happen. Like, they're actually, that's happening this weekend. That takes place somewhere over in the U.K. It can be in England or Scotland or, uh, I don't know if they ever do it in Ireland. I guess I'm not that big of a fan. Um, <laughs> and then there's the PGA Tournament. Heard and, of that one. Yeah. And then that there's, Florida? And then there's, not, not oh. always. PGA can be anywhere, too. Okay. And then there's <laughs> the Masters. And the Masters is the only course, the only major that's played at the same place every year. It's played in Augusta, Georgia. Okay. The Masters, and it's it's a it's a really hard ticket to come by. You uh, a year before the Masters happens, if you're on their email list, they send you an email saying like ticket registration is now available for the Masters, and you put your name in, and then they randomly select people to be get to to so buy it's a tickets. Lottery. Kind of a lottery, yeah. And the first time I ever entered the lottery, I got chosen to get tickets only for the practice round, um, which was the Wednesday. The Wednesday before the tournament starts. Still, we got to see all the players, I imagine, I got see, right? I got to see a lot of the players. I, I walked on the course, and it was really amazing there. It's a beautiful place, and uh, and it's a really cool tournament. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, this is going to interest nobody except for me. But, but it interests <laughs> but, you, but and I, that's I was, nice. I was kind of amazed that, like, the, the Masters is this major tournament that can be, like, this complete money grab. And the tickets are, you know, if you can get them, they're relatively inexpensive tickets. Um, and then when you get there, like the food and beverages are ridiculously cheap. Like really? a sandwich at the Masters is a dollar fifty. What? Yeah, and a beverage like is seventy five cents. And they'll have like they have these pre made sandwiches. Like 
like a pimento and cheese sandwich, which apparently is a southern thing. Um, yeah, or it's like nineteen sixty five. Dollar fifty, yeah, and you know, and these, and they had these. If you bought like an iced tea or lemonade, they would come in this little plastic master's cup, and I was uh-huh. like, is it weird if I? Keep if it? I keep these, and then I like would I saw people later fishing them out of garbage cans. Okay, so, so like, it's not weird. Like, yeah, so it's not weird. So I, I brought eight of them home with me, and they're at my house. Oh my gosh! Um, but it was just a great experience, and uh, being there at the Masters, which not a lot of people get to go, and I got so lucky. And this was 2014. I went, and I've entered the lottery every year since then. I've never <laughs> gotten chosen since. So I, I, I tell people like I I told this old guy once because he saw my little Masters tag. And he goes, "You go to the Masters," and I said. Yeah, I, I got tickets the first year I entered, and he's like, son of a bitch. He goes, I've been entering that GD lottery for 20 years, and I haven't been picked yet. And I was like, oh, man, no. you should have had my tickets, man. Greg, do not feel bad that you got to enjoy something that you're still talking about and enjoy. You're allowed great. to enjoy things. And luckily, and I have, I have a buddy who lives, who lives in Georgia, so I took him, and uh, that was neat. Uh so back to golf. Yeah, I've also uh, I've, I've also Ooh. played. Uh, I, I, I tend to like if I go on vacation, I have to play a round of golf while on that vacation. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. It's like a thing that like like other people have like oh I need to go to a coffee shop or there's this thing I need to do. I need to play around of golf on every vacation, and I certainly there's exceptions to that rule. I haven't always played golf. Like I went down to L.A. recently, didn't play golf on a two day trip, whatever. But um, yeah, I, I played golf at uh, TPC Scottsdale in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, really cool desert courses in, in, in Arizona. Uh, pretty much all the south. I'll go to the southwest and play golf anytime you let me. I will let you whenever yeah. you want to go. Um, yeah. You have my permission. Wonderful. <laughs> I haven't played a lot of golf in Florida, though. I have played a round in Florida. I imagine it's Wait, fine. You know, I take that back. Okay. I played every Disney course. Did you yeah, really? Yeah, I have. I, wow, did you just have like some sort of emotional block? That yeah, didn't want no, you I, to just, remember? I just didn't associate Florida with that for some reason. Yeah, I played. Uh, That's I fair. Played, I played. I think there's only one I haven't played. I played the ones that they do the golf tournament um, down there, the Children's Miracle Network, which is the tournament which is uh, takes place in November. I think it's one of the last tournaments of the year. I don't know if they still do it. Um, I bet they do. But it's at uh, it's at the Magnolia Course at Disney, and they also like. Hmm. And then there's another course that's at Disney that they also play the tournament at um, on the Thursday and Friday that they play that one. I forget the name of that one now. But so, yeah, I played all those Disney courses. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were beautiful. They were. Well Disney does a great job with everything. Gosh, they really yeah. do. And that course is no, those golf courses are no exception. They're beautiful. I mean, it's still in Orlando, Florida, and it's, it's hot. And, mm. and every once in a while, you just smell swamp. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I remember one time we were playing golf, and I'm like, I kept on saying, like, what is that smell? And this guy goes, oh, that smell? That's that's Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fair enough, sir. All right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's Florida. Uh, yeah. Oh, swamp. So what are there any other funny stories or interesting stories from golf escapades? Uh, yeah. When I was at the Masters, again, uh, like, I feel like that's such a brag for people who like golf. When I was at the Masters. Uh, <laughs> so again, You're allowed to like yeah, things. <laughs> it was it was a practice round. Uh, so golfers were just like, you know, in a practice round, you can do whatever you want. Like, you're not being scored yet. And on the 16th hole at, at Augusta, at the practice round, my buddy and I were kind of walking around just seeing, like, the whole, taking the whole course in. And this was the place that had bleachers. So 
There's some some places you can sit and watch from bleachers. Other places you can stand along the fairway. Mm-hmm. So the 16th hole is a par three, and there's a lake. And this is this was so cool. Um, there, there's a lake between the tee box and the green, and so the tee box where you get started. Yeah, the tee okay. box is where you put your. So at, at the point where you put your ball on the ground at a tee box, you have limitless possibilities to do well on the hole. Oh. Like on a par three or even some par fours, you can get a hole in one. You can what? hit one shot and it goes in the hole. Amazing. Um, not typically the case with a par five, but some short par fours and par threes, you can get a hole in one. It's like one of the only times. Anyway, so these pros are practicing. They're hitting their tee shots. And so as they walk off the tee box, these people in the stands uh, start going, skip, 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 skip. <laughs> And I'm like, we're like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> and so, and so we, we caught on pretty quick because it only took one to know what was going on. They were encouraging the pros to walk up to the, to the lake, put a ball down right in front of the lake and then hit it intentionally into the water and <laughs> skip it across and try to get it back up on the green again. And it, it mostly didn't happen. But when it, when it, when it did, the people went nuts and it was so easy to get caught up in that. There was one dude, I forget his name now, that almost got a hole in one by skipping it across the lake and we went, we went nuts because it was amazing. I still, uh, to this day, when I'm at a golf course that has a lake that I can get, put a ball right down next to the lake, mm-hmm. I'll try to do it and I have succeeded zero times. So, um, it makes it that much more impressive. Like, it have was you made it skip. But just not come back out again? No, it didn't come back out. Like, okay. I certainly like made it like, you know, go boom, boom. But, you know, these guys were like, they would hit the water and then like take off again. So there was some trajectory or backspin or something Spin. they were doing. Uh, and it was amazing. Like, it was so cool. And then there was one guy. I think his name was Jay Haas now. His dad plays golf too. There's two Haases in golf, uh, a father and a son that they're still on the tour, I think, together at the same time. So he's up there doing it. And, uh, and then this, I don't know how it happened, but he, he calls this kid down from the stands and lets the kid take his golf club and try to do it too. And I was looking at my buddy and I'm like, you realize that like as 40 some year, 40 plus year old men, our ship is totally sailed on that. Like <laughs> there is no benefit to pulling us out of the stands to do that. But that lucky kid got to hit a ball a at nice, the masters yeah. at Augusta and like, you know, have his picture taken with whatever the guy's name was now. But I was like, man, that, didn't happen to me as a kid. I didn't get to hit a ball at the Masters. But you got to go to the Masters. No, no. I know. Again, that's. <laughs> I was just like, and I'm like, I hope this kid appreciates how lucky he is right now. That like, probably there are right? there there are a, like twenty thousand men at this tournament right now and women um, who just want to hit one ball at, at Augusta that don't don't get to. So yeah, that was oh, well. cool. That's but cool it was cool moment. being there for sure. Did he skip the ball? Skip, 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 skip. Did did I skip it? Did, or the, did the kid? kid? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that was Tiger Woods as a baby or no, whatever. No, no, no. I I know zero. I think Jack Nicholson. No, Jack Nichols. Jack Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. I uh, see. I said I was gonna be like, see, I know a a golfer, and I said Jack Nicholson. It's okay. So he might golf. I'm sure he does. That seems like things fancy people do. It seems like a very fancy sport to me. So uh, what would you recommend for someone who's maybe interested in getting started? Whacking at a at a driving range? Yep. Or, yeah? Yep. Go to the driving range. Hit, hit some balls. Um, take a lesson because uh, it is important to, to kind of understand like what 
the way you're actually trying to hit the ball. Because a lot of people get up and snack the ball into baseball, and it's it can be really frustrating. Mm. So um, take a lesson. Yeah. That's what I, even though I didn't do it that way, uh, I, <laughs> I tell people to do it that way because I think my journey was a lot longer from, from you know, just hitting the ball to having fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just play. Nice. Play. Go outside and play. That sounds like such cliche advice for everything. Just, just do it. If you want to do it, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, just go out Try. and do it. And again, like, you know, uh, people are not going to get mad at you for being terrible for the most part. Well, that Marshall got pretty mad at the hand charts for being terrible. Well, okay. <laughs> I think, and that that what's sad about that is that like they didn't encourage you to come back. <clears throat> I honestly don't remember. I think we may have just opted to leave. I don't think he kicked us out, but we definitely left because I think no one was having a good time anymore because <laughs> it was yeah. taking so long. Like you said, that five miles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. On that note, if you're if you're just beginning and you're on the golf course and you you don't you no longer see the people in front of you and. Mm-hmm. And you see people right behind you constantly, let them play through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. The instant we saw anyone, we're like, play through. It's fine. Well, then they shouldn't have kicked you <laughs> off the course. And maybe, they, like I said, maybe they didn't. But. It, this is, again, hazy memory from middle school from a long, long yeah. time ago. So. Yeah, they should call them golf concierges. Yeah. So that's like, how hey, better I'm, can I facilitate I'm, I'm your here. experience? And a lot here. of golf marshals are like that. Like, I, I played a course over in Yakima called Apple Tree, which. I'll show you a picture of Apple Tree later. It's really neat. They've got they've got a hole in the 17th hole that's a par three that they've made look like an apple, and it sits in the water, and it's really pretty. Um, but it's actually, the course is cut through an old apple orchard, and that marshal came by and gave us apples while we were golfing. And Now that's yeah, a nice marshal. And said, like, I hope you're having a good time. He was an older guy. Like, I hope you're having a good time. Here's what, I picked these apples for you. And we're like, sir, well, thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, That's so yeah. sweet. Yeah, so, so some marshals, I think, like, like anybody, like, you know, there's there's good cops and bad cops. Yeah. There are good marshals and marshals who just want to go yell at people because they are sad in general. <laughs> Get off my really yeah. beautifully manicured lawn. Uh, great. Is there Are there any other things you'd like to t- mention about golfing? Any stories you didn't get to that you thought I don't about? think so. I think I'd probably talk more about golf than anybody cared to hear about golf. I disagree. I no. thought it was lovely. Oh, good. And I was – I'm – I'm going to start, I did this with uh, Kevin last time, but I want to start a, like, the ending segment of, like, nice news. <laughs> so, um, this is, I, I Googled it. It's a sport-related nice news uh, oh, information. Good. And also, I realized I didn't say thank you for talking about golf. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I enjoyed I, it. I will talk about golf as much as you'll let me. I, I see. And that's. Again, that's why I'm really excited about this podcast, because I'm learning oodles of things about people uh, that I never knew before, and it's fun yeah. to share. It's not just a snobby person sport. In fact, I have seen some of the uh, – I'm not going to use the right word here. <laughs> if, just if you go out golfing around here, you'll notice that like a lot of people who aren't rich golf. Okay. Yeah. Just your everyday schlub. Everyday can, schlub. Can get yeah. out there and yep. have fun. Well, from, for the reasons that you mentioned, actually, the reasons why I enjoy camping, you're outside – you're away from distractions and screens mm-hmm. and you're a little bit untouchable out there. Um, and the, I guess I didn't realize necessarily how methodical it was and chess like it is uh, because I, I didn't know, never sat down and really thought about it. That's why I wanted you to sit down and talk to me about it. Yeah. Um, and the good news I have is 
So did you watch the the World Cup at all? Any of the the full, of it, yeah, the my, full e gang? My, my coworkers sorry, had it on. Uh, okay. Most of the times so we were watching it like here and there, but I didn't I didn't watch a entire match. Uh, we Patrick and I we caught the end of a game. It was the it was tied up. It was Croatia and Russia, maybe I don't mm-hmm. know, but it was it was tied up, and so they. They went into like triple overtime and then they did the kicky thing. And oh, yeah. It was really exciting. That I was, was exciting. I actually caught the end of that game too. I think it was Croatia was and it, Russia. Was it England and someone? It wasn't England. Was there, it was, was there was more Croatia? than one? Because I know I was voting for Croatia. Voting. <laughs> I cast my, <laughs> I vote, cast for my vote for Croatia. <laughs> um, I want to say, I want to say Russia, but I could be, I could be 100% wrong. Um, but it was very thrilling and I was a very emotionally invested. And that's about as much as I can be emotionally invested is like the last 15 minutes of something exciting. Oh, that brings up another point. I want to watch a football game with you because it seems like you're really into watching football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not always fun, though. I know. But it seems like an emotional journey I'm ready to take with you. All right, let's do um, it. You, are, you and Patrick come over this year. Uh, what's sad is I, I sadly, woefully think the Seahawks are not going to be competitive this year. Oh, no. I'll, and Again, I'd love to be surprised, but um, with any sport, you know, like even Tiger Woods has a hard time competing these days. Your team or your own your own personal self will go through... Uh, Waxes and wanes. You know, hills and valleys of where you're good and you're not good. And I think we're about to enter some sad times as Seahawks fans. But oh. I like to be wrong, and we'll see. Good. I be- but I but that said, I will still be emotionally charged. <laughs> and I want to take that with you. All right. So I'm going back to the my nice news. Darn it. This is why it's hard to have anything planned ever. Um, um, so he, uh, this kid, he's a 19-year-old French footballer. Um, so he was one of the winning team of the World Cup. His name is Kylian Mapap. <laughs> 19? Yeah, he's 19. And he donated 100% of his World Cup winnings to um, a charity that helps disabled and hospitalized children into sports. And that, they they ran the number. It's like almost half a million dollars. And he donated all that money. And uh, the, the people who work with that charity say that he comes in when his schedule allows it. He comes in and speaks to them and always knows what to say and the, the right encouraging words. And I think that's really beautiful. That and, is beautiful. And really sweet. And... Um, yeah, just a 19 year old superstar. And I guess he was, uh, I'm not a Twitter person. I don't tweet. I know I have a podcast now, so I am supposed to legally obligated to have Twitter. But anyway, this kid, uh, oh gosh, Killian, Kylian, K-Y-L-I-A-N. Um, sounds right. He, uh, um, who is the Brazilian footballer who was like super Pele? Is that a person? Yeah, it's a person. I'm not sure if he's from Brazil. I um, honestly, soccer's like my worst sport. That's, well, it's not a, a big a big deal here in the states. Necessarily. Yeah, Pele was like one of the first superstars I remember from my childhood of being like, Pele was this, like this pinnacle, the acme of the sport at the time. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, when I was kids, so I don't know where he's from though. I I, sh- I should know that. That's, People are yelling at, at nope. the podcast. Right? They're going, he's from Brazil, Greg. I, I think about that sometimes when I'm listening to something, especially if I'm listening to um, game shows, because, gosh, am I a nerd. Uh, I'm like, oh, you idiot. And then I'm like, no, Sarah, the, when the mic is on, half your brain leaves. It's gone. If Once the mic is off, half that brain comes back. And it's um, – but anyway, that Pele guy and this kid – 
uh, they tweeted at each other, and the Pele guy's oh. like, looks like someone's, you know, coming up on my record or whatever. And this kid was like, uh, the king will always be the king. Like, really gracious and humble. And anyway, he seems like a real sweet pea in the sports field. And that seems nice. I love it when sports when sports people are excited about their records being broken. Yeah. That, that, that tells me they're just a good person, right? Like, like, why would you care if your record was broken? Like... You had the record. Like you, you had said, the record. Like, you succeeded. Like, you man, did your thing. I think. I think that the good, the good people would hope that their record gets broken because they remember what it feels like to be the one to set it. Right. Yeah. Um, I like to think you share that. Yeah. Well, it's it's always rooting for everybody wins if we all root for each other. No. Nobody wins or nobody loses by me wishing somebody good luck or break a leg or whatever you. That never, it never comes back to you. But if you, if, if you're a, a poopy butt, actually it will come back to you if you're a poopy butt. Um, but everyone wins. That's a okay. And not like everyone gets a ribbon wins, but no, really like as a community, we all win if we're supportive and help helping other people do well. Cause imagine a yes. world where we're all doing well and we're all helpful to each imagine other. That. Imagine that. And that's why we're here at Hi, I think you're nice. I just did a finger brandish that I'm, I wanted <laughs> a rainbow. Yeah. I wanted a rainbow. I, to I saw a rainbow. Did you? Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, great. So I guess that's it. Now, last time I ended with arm farts. I did my musical arm fart noises. I don't think I can do those. Um, anymore. well, I just do this. It's cheater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some people can do under the arm. I can't, I can't. do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I'm going to end the show. No, you got to get to a meaty part of your arm is the thing. Got to get to a meaty. Yeah. <laughs> nice. See, you did it. Meaty part of my arm. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Greg Yay. Stackhouse. Yay. Thank you for having me. Golf, everybody. <laughs> Go play. Go outside. Now is whenever I ask you to please subscribe and rate Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast. If you could subscribe, if you could rate it, that would really help me out big time, just so I can get my voice out there further, have more people check out the podcast, and hopefully uh, grow from there. So it really would mean the world to me if you did that. Thank you in advance. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being a part of my life and for helping me out. Um, also, I do have a web page. So if you want to go to ithinkyournice.com, that's Y-O-U. R-E in the your. So it's U-R. So I think you're nice.com. Um, I have where the episodes are listed there. You can send me an email or a message from there. Otherwise, you can email me at Sarah at I think you're nice.com. Okay. So I hope you stay in touch. I hope you rate the show. I hope you subscribe and I hope you continue to listen. You mean the world to me. Thank you so much. This arm fart. This arm fart's for you. Mm-hmm.